Okay, everybody, we are live. We have my dear friend, Paul Robison, who is a licensed acupuncturist out of Washington, D.C. Man, I've been wanting to get you on here, so thank you for yeah. for doing it. Here we are. Here we are, indeed, my friend. <laughs> thank so, you, man. We, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. I'm really excited to be on here. And yeah. Just do what we do, yep. talk. And yeah, have a good conversation, yeah. man. It's, we, we do that well. So yeah. to give everyone background, I lived with Paul uh, throughout the entirety of acupuncture school. I mean, I think the first year we didn't technically live together. Yeah, the first the first year we we were in we didn't really like talk that much the first year. I think because you were kind of taking classes off campus. Yeah, it was it was a bum steer. <laughs> I mean, I got I got pushed into my my martial art teacher at the time told me to not take the prerequisites <laughs> at five branches. <laughs> And it was like, just go to Cabrillo and take all these like full-fledged college courses. It was the worst suggestion ever. All it did was slow down my my five branches career. But in any case, yeah, we we didn't hang out that first year. Then the second year, I went through the worst breakup of my life, and I pretty much came to Paul on my knees and was like, "Hey, man, I don't know you, but I'm broken. Can you help me for the love of hey, God?" Hey, Paul, what's up? What are you doing tonight? Uh, great. Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> Because I'm crying left, right, and center, and I need someone to listen to me. And you showed up, it was, man. It was a good lesson in uh, vulnerability, the power of vulnerability. Oh, man, what a clusterfuck. I was in a shit show of the most epic proportions when I came to Paul. But it was also the beginning of our of our friendship, so which is pretty cool. And it's been 10 years, man. God, 10 years. Yeah, that we've, I know, man. That we've known each other and been through. It goes God, by in a blink. Yeah, we've been through quite a bit. So Paul and I lived together all through um, acupuncture school. We threw some epic parties. We we had lots of great adventures, and we both went through our respective, what you would call just healings, going through school, mm. the processing of yeah. our, of our life and our and our bullshit. But every day, yeah. So Paul, you've been how long? You've been in DC now, total? How many years? Uh, I came out here in uh, April 2013. So, wow. wow, it's, um, yeah, six years now, man, wow. see again, that little six years. time. And I had come out here because, you know, my wife now was out here who was a long time love of my life. And, yeah. uh, so when I, I came out to thinking, okay, she's got a job out here. I've never lived on the East coast. I'll just go out there for like two or three years. Yeah. I remember. And then, yeah. And then we'll like, we'll come back to California. It'll be great. <laughs> You know, then we got engaged. We bought a house in Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, now we have a beautiful little boy. So, yeah, you just got to roll with it, I guess. You do. And yeah, I mean, that, that, that saying, right? If you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans, which I think is, <laughs> which is always true. It's like, oh, right. Yeah. Right. Your plans are awesome, but I <laughs> there are, there are other, <laughs> other things afoot. So uh, tell me, give the audience, you know, kind of a background um, I mean, you're, we're fellow Chinese medicine people, you know, you're, mm-hmm. we're both in the same field, but I always like to ask when I have Chinese medicine or acupuncturists on the show, how they got into it, why they got into it and how you came to be where you are now, because that question, I don't know if you remember, but when they asked us that our first uh, semester, which was, I believe fall of 2008, everyone had mm-hmm. such eclectic different answers mm-hmm. as to why they were coming to Chinese medicine, myself included. I was the only one. I was the Kramer who fell ass backwards in there. <laughs> I didn't mean to go to Chinese medicine school. I just kind of went. But yeah, talk about that, man. Tell the little I, still remember, I still remember your answer from that class too, which um, 
we can talk about later. But, <laughs> um, well, you know, you get like, I'm sure you get this when you're treating people or making new contacts. People are like, so yeah, so how did you come across Chinese medicine? And, you know, there's the abridged version. I'm, I just met you. I want to give you the three minute rundown. The elevator um, speech. <clears throat> the elevator speech. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the, the, the long story. And, you know, that's what we're here to talk about. Yep. So, I mean, bottom line, it was uh, acupuncture and Chinese medicine was, it was a lifeline. Uh, it was a desperate time in my life. And acupuncture came and saved me. It truly saved me on the many dimensions of who we are as human beings. It saved me in many of those ways. And uh, it brought me to study the medicine. Now, getting to that point is is a very long story. Um, it started when I was 14. Um, you know, grew up in Southern California. Great place to grow up. Um, I have beautiful family. My parents love me. You've met both my parents. Yeah, Rick and Kim. Hard, yeah, Rick and Kim. <laughs> Hardworking people. Uh, They'll let anybody in their home. They'll take care of anybody who asks. My mom is brilliant. Um, she was a teacher and uh, developed her own curriculum to help kids with like ADHD and hyperactive disorders. And you know, it was a very uh, dynamic home. <laughs> Let's say that. Yeah. So you know, 14 years old, started developing some pain. You know, you could chalk it up to being an adolescent going through puberty and, uh, you know, started losing a little weight and time was going by and the pain was just getting to be a little too much. And my parents started taking me to doctors and I went for like three or four months and doctors couldn't find anything. And, uh, the pain started to get pretty bad and, um, if you looked at me, I just posted this the other day, you saw it. Mm -hmm. um, if you looked at me, you know, imagine an already awkward teenage boy, because you're a teenage boy, you're awkward, skinny. Sure. sure. Um, when he looked at me, I would be standing with my head kind of like this, and I'd be like looking up. I don't know if you can get that profile. Yeah. Um, and what was going on, which we didn't know at the time, was I had a tumor growing up and down my spine. Uh, wrapped around my trachea and collapsing my left lung. And when I stood and my vertebrae compressed, I was compressing that tumor against all my nerves. So I was in pretty intense pain. But for whatever reason, I just kind of bared the pain. Yeah. So finally, uh, they were checking it out. They did an x-ray and they saw a shadow. And um, they're like, look, he's got a tumor. we got to get him to the doctors, like, now. Mm -hmm. And I remember that day. They did this, the x-ray. We went home. My mom got a call. We went back to the doctor. And we didn't even go back home. We just went straight to Children's Hospital of Orange County. Mm -hmm. And I was admitted that night. So at that point, I was like 20 pounds underweight. I couldn't lay down. I couldn't do anything. I was just not sleeping. My mom would be up with me at night trying to, like, just do whatever she could. And 
I get to the hospital and it's just one test after another. And uh, within, I think it was like two days, they had done a biopsy. You know, they had done surgery around my neck. And they brought me into a room, like conference room, and there's like five doctors across the table. My mom was on my right. My dad was on my left. And they're like, well, you know, we did the biopsy and Paul has Hodgkin's disease. It's a, it's a type of lymphoma cancer. And when you're, I was 14. So what do you, you know, what kind of life experience do you have at 14? Yeah. You know, you don't, you haven't thought about like death. You haven't thought about the nature of who you are. You're just like a kid. Yeah. And, uh, I remember feeling the energy of the room. It was very serious, very solemn. I could feel my mom like quivering and crying and my dad just being like, you know, Rick, just totally like stoic and quiet. Mm -hmm. And so they delivered that message, you know, he's got Hodgkin's disease and I heard cancer. I didn't know what Hodgkin's disease was or anything. And um, when I heard cancer, I looked down, I looked at my mom I looked at my dad, and then I just looked at the doctors, and I said, okay, so what are we going to do? And there was this moment where I felt like a, like a screen like slid across my vision, mm-hmm. and there was just this, like, this shift of like, okay, let's get serious, you know? Yeah. And <clears throat> so we started treatment very, like, I think the next day. I started radiation um, that was a cluster cuss. For those who haven't or been through cancer, and there's a lot of us that have been through cancer these days, yeah, um, or know somebody that has. When you get radiation, it's it's a process. They have to like. They need to make sure where they send the radiation, it goes to the specific place every single time, because mm-hmm. radiation is. It's just that. It's radiation, man. You right. don't want to be hitting the leg, lungs. You don't want to be hitting the heart. Right. Or you want to mitigate that. Right. So it was, um, that was uh, like an eight-hour process of x-rays and them putting me under these pillows and moving me and putting these tattoos on me. And in the process of that, um, I, if you hear something, that's my little dog. He's trying to like get Oh, it's him. okay. I can't hear it. <laughs> but if it happens, it's um, all good, man. It's part of the, the little recording. goose. Um, in, that, in that process, they had me in a position where I was on my stomach and my neck was being compressed. And they kept me like that for like three hours. And then finally they were done and they're like, oh, okay, so go ahead and get up. And I went to go get up and nothing happened. And I was like, I... I can't move. And I started flipping out. I was like, I, I can't move. And they're like, oh, it's okay. You're fine. They're like, just relax. You'll be okay. Five, ten minutes went by. I mean, I could not move from my neck down. It was like pure paralysis because they had me like that. My neck compressed on a tumor for so long that it's like <clears throat> like your hand falling asleep. Oh, my God. <clears throat> so I remember coming out. Oh. <clears throat> and the reason, excuse me. The reason I tell the story is because what I learned that day was that the nurse you have can is your is your your angel because I came out of that room <clears throat> and 
my nurse, I thought she was going to just beat the crap out of somebody. She couldn't believe what happened to me. And she like brought me back. She moved me around. She got me my back. She started massaging me. She started moving me and started like waking up my body. And she just went to town on those doctors. Yeah. And <clears throat> chalk, uh, you know, I just children's hospital in Orange County at the time was such an amazing hospital. And those doctors were great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the nurses were, were incredible. Yeah. And, um, that was, you know, the beginning of the process, but I will say this after the first radiation treatment, all my pain was gone. No pain. Wow. It was, it was like, you're in pain for four months intensely and then it's gone like that. It's a miracle. Was that a function of the, I mean, is it, is it literally that simple that the radiation just started to kill and off the tumor and therefore it was shrinking? I mean, is that how fast yeah, it happened? I mean, yeah, it's like okay. it was instant. It like, however the science is, the yeah. tumor re- retracted and yep. took that pressure off my nerves and out my back. And it was just like, oh my God. Wow. So that was like in the first four days. And then, you know, I had five treatments of radiation after that, just emergency radiation, because mm-hmm. it was, they said, you know, another couple hours, my lung would have collapsed. No problem. It was like right there on the cusp. Wow. Um, so, and then I had my first round of chemo in those first two weeks. So I was in the hospital for two weeks. And um, before I'd never been in the hospital, I'd broken my leg. So I'm like right. ER and stuff, but like, right never the hospital and um you know your just whole life changes and being a kid and this is true for anyone when you get when one is diagnosed with any disease i'm sure it's not just cancer but <clears throat> you know a terminally ill disease or or whatnot it's it becomes all about you right yeah because it's happening to you everyone's looking at you and there's sympathetic eyes there's compassionate eyes you feel discomfort the people around you you feel the fear of the people around you so it becomes for me it became very insular it was um i had to go deep inside myself without knowing it you know 23 years later after lots of work of understanding the trauma of the treatment of cancer i realized yeah like i went deep inside for survival you know People ask, oh, you know, how are you doing? You look pretty bad. You know, there's like tubes coming out of you. You're like right. skinny and you're like, oh, I'm great. I'm like, totally fine. Don't worry. I'm good. Yeah. Looks, it looks it looks a lot worse <laughs> than it is. And I've come to learn that like that's yeah. a lot of cancer patients. They, it's the same thing because you have no other, you can't believe anything else because if you're not saying you're fine, then the alternative option is that like, Right. It's, this is it's, really bad. It's almost like directive willpower as a means to keep yourself and your spirit on track, I would think. Well said. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You would have to kind um, of go that way. Yeah. So uh, they set the plan. You know, the plan was eight months of chemo followed by like another 45 uh, rounds of radiation treatments or radiation treatments. Yeah. Um, and just to go through it. So at the time I was 14 and it was in October and, you know, I went to school for a little bit, but my saving grace was like my mom. She, uh, was that teacher. She had developed a curriculum. So she was able to keep my academics going while I was at home. 
Mm-hmm. She was able to develop a curriculum for me while I was going through the treatment and whatnot. And, um, you know, I just did that. It's, you know, there's parts of chemo that weren't so bad. You know, you hear about prednisone these days. Like, I, I mean, as a practitioner now, I am stunned by how much just doctors prescribe prednisone to people. I've seen patients get prescribed prednisone for uh, a cold. Yeah. Like, you're giving people a steroid to get through a cold. Like, maybe that's excessive. So a big part of my treatment was prednisone, one of the rounds mm-hmm. of chemo. Um, so that was great, you know. You put on 20 pounds, you get all this energy. And right. Like, wow, this is fantastic. You lose your hair. Like, yeah, right. that happens. Um, and then the alternate day, the, every other treatment was, like, the stuff you see in the movies. Just right. horrible. It's just you lose 20 pounds in a month. Every smell, every sound, everything is uncomfortable. You're in pain. Yeah. You don't want to eat. You just want to, like, crawl in a hole. And it lasts for, like, 30 days. And just when you're, like, coming out of it, you start the other round of chemo. It's just, like, right. boom, boom, boom. And, you know, when you think about, like, when I say, oh, yeah, I had cancer, you think, like, okay, Paul, I had cancer. I don't know how many people think about how cancer or a significant diagnosis ripples out through a family. Yeah. So there's, like, and I don't know. I see it as being intersections, but I don't know if I'm using the concept of intersectionality correctly. Um, but, you know, it's my family at the time, we were just, we were poor. We were, my parents yeah. were working poor. They worked hard. We had a roof over our head. We had, you know, clothes on our backs. We had a lot of love. We were sure. fed. Um, but it was always like just getting by. I and mean, there would be mm-hmm. weeks where the church would bring groceries and leave them on the doorstep. Right. So, you have your kid, that's a socioeconomic situation, and then your kid is going through cancer, and you can't take time off, but you got to take them from Riverside, Orange County, which if you don't know that distance, it's with traffic, like an hour and a half drive Yeah. every day, and then drive home, and you got to go to work. So I just, I look at my, I think about it, and I'm like, man, my parents, especially being a parent now, like, watching your kid go through that oh. is already like, no. Brutal. I, brutal. Brutal. And then yeah. like, oh, you still got to like go to work. Right. You still got to do your nine to five. You still got to pay the bills. Correct. You still got to take care of your other kid and make sure he's okay. Life moves forward. Life moves forward. And it's such a, now a lot of my reflection is like, wow, what's the cultural impact of cancer and how we're treating cancer and the, and the resources that are available to families, you know, like what privilege did my family have and I had to even have access to treatment versus other families that don't. Right. Um, but going through it as a teenager, you're just like, oh, I just got to go get more chemo. I got to go yeah. feel like crap for a month. And, but I just want to give a shout out to my parents. I mean, they, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. Yeah. Um, and later, the cost became apparent of you know the toll that it took on the family. Sure. Um, can I after, can I can I yeah. backpedal one one just one quick thing and and For only because sure. I, I want you to keep going because I think this story your story I've always said has moved me and I think it's it's so worth hearing. I mean when you get this kind of thing happening to you at this young of an age, I think that there is tremendous merit and life lessons that just 
matriculate into you as a result of you having gone through it. So I, I don't want you to stop unraveling the story, but I do want to circle back to how this brought you into Chinese medicine. Cause that was the, you know, when I was saying like the original yeah, piece yeah. to this was how did you said, you know, acupuncture and this stuff was a, was a lifeline for you. So during this process, just to interject and like tie that first question back in, how did, yeah, how the hell in this shit show of, you know, cancer and just your life being turned upside down at 14, where did Chinese medicine fit into that? How did that even come into play? Was the seed yeah. planted there or did you like decide later? No, the seed, I, no concept of holistic medicine or Eastern medicine at that time. Okay. You know, at that time, Western medicine and doctors saved my life. Yep. The seeds were planted deep inside of me to find Chinese medicine 20 years later oh, or not wow. even 20 years. So it'd be about 13, 14 years later when I started studying the medicine. Yeah. Cause you were, we were, we were pretty much, we're the same age. So you started 27. Yeah. That was right. 27. Yeah. yeah so same. that was 14, 15. So like 13, 14 years later. Yeah. And I, I mean, I didn't know it, you know, you're just, I was an American. This is what you do. Right. You get this treatment. So yeah, I am, uh, my, I have my eyesight on that question and I'm taking the very like long. No, no, it's good. I just, <laughs> I just I, I'm like, you got me biting at the bit. I'm like, yeah, dude, keep going. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to hear, cause I know you temper, well. Temper the heart fire. Great. Hey, we've talked about this for <laughs> sure, man. And I'm always like, I could listen to this story a long time. Cause there's just so much. Yeah. There's so much here to be, to, to learn from. So yeah, mm. keep going. <laughs> so yeah, but the seed was definitely planted then. Um, went through the treatment. I actually was able to get out with one uh, chemo treatment less because my body responded really well. Had radiation and everything, but finished up maybe like 11 months after I was diagnosed. And I went back to school. So, you know, I even actually went back playing soccer with a catheter still in my chest because I was just chomping at the bit to be like normal. You yeah. know, like, okay, like this is over. Let's just get on with life. Let's do it. So um, then I was starting high school at the time and, you know, went on mostly to have a normal life. You do become a bit of a hypochondriac after you go through something like that. And there's um, <clears throat> just a lot of fear, you know. You get a pain. Oh, is that cancer? You lose some weight. Oh, do I have a tumor? Yeah. And it turned out uh, about a year and a half later, I did have another tumor come up. I was like out summertime mowing the lawn and I literally just like fell to the ground. My dad came and picked me up, got 105 fever <clears throat> and I had another tumor come over my lung, uh -huh. my left lung. And that's when they had to do like surgery They had to go through my back and do a biopsy. And that one, that was another one of my surgeries and, yeah. uh, the tumor ended up being benign, but it took some treatment and, you know, got back on the saddle, got back to life. And did well in school. You know, I played soccer. Mm -hmm. I was really good at what I did. Did well in, in all my academics. Graduated uh, salutatorian. And, you know, at the time, I was just being me. And they did a human interest story on me, actually, in uh, Riverside. And do you remember the Rosie O'Donnell show? Oh, yeah. 
I was that was I was gonna like ask the question, but I was like, yeah, tell me because I I know you. I knew you were gonna ask the question, so I was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. To yes, it. I do. I remember, yeah, I remember so that show. We got to talk about it. <laughs> you know, bless that woman. She uh, her show caught wind of my story, and they had me on the show. And uh, it was a human interest story, just kind of like you know, this is yeah. a kid. He went through cancer. He made it, and um, you know, she gave me an opportunity to go to school and have my undergrad covered by the Kellogg's Corporation. So thank you, Kellogg's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's that was a game changer because, you know, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have met my wife. That's who I met in college. Right. You know, I with my parents, you know, finances and everything, I probably would have gone to a JC and, you know, had a good life, probably stayed in Riverside, you know, would have had a great life, but it, changed the game like it put me on a different trajectory mm-hmm. and um you know went to college and the last thing you want to be is a guy that's like oh he's a cancer guy you know so that's when i started sure. to learn how to like just keep it to myself yeah i would tell my buddies or like close friends you know mm-hmm. i told my wife at the time but I just I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to make a big deal about it. So I did everything I could to be normal. Mm-hmm. To like, you know, I joined a fraternity, a really good fraternity, great guys, mm-hmm. um, made friendships that I still have, and did my best just to like have a normal life. You know, disregard any pain, try not to f- be afraid of anything. Of course, it would happen. Sure. You know, from the time after I finished treatment to the time I was 27, I probably had 15 plus CT scans because, you know, doctors always want to check and they know like they can check that way. So, I mean, the amount of radiation my body has had is, I don't even know. I don't even know how to calculate it, but enough to cover a few lifetimes. Um, So went through school, um, graduated with a poli-sci degree and then went out to go make money, you know, go out to get a job and whatnot. And at the time I had given, I've been given like all these opportunities, you know, and I was blessed with scholarships and whatnot. And my brother, Corey, who is like the most solid guy you will ever meet, um, so true. <laughs> I wanted he is man, that guy is so solid. Um, I wanted him to have the same opportunities, so I was like, okay, I need to like go work, and <clears throat> I got I want to help him go through college, like mm-hmm. whatever it takes. And um, I went into corporate, or I went to a corporate world doing mortgage financing, and um, when I was doing that. I was learning like the business, you know, I grew up doing construction. Uh, one of my good friends, his dad owned a plumbing business. So in the summertime I would do jobs doing construction and just learn like how a project works. So when I went into mortgage financing, they were doing, uh, these products called like construction of permanent loans. And I just learned the financing side and a lot of people don't know this, but I went in and I became a sales trainer. Um, I was managing like a $40 million pipeline. I was training people how to sell these loans. I was training brokers. I was like doing pretty well. I mean, of course it was the mortgage 
boom. So it was a hyperinflated economy and it was all artificial. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was a part of all that. Um, I was 24, 25 making six figures and like living in Newport beach on the beach with my friends. And it was just, life was good, man. Yeah. You know, get up, go to the office for an hour go surf for a few hours, go back to the office for 10 minutes, um, and then work all night. You know, it was like working hard and playing hard. And I noticed I started uh, getting like some stomach pain and would just kind of like have digestive problems. And, you know, what do you do when you're 25 and you have digestive problems? You take like Petmo Bismo or like something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, So I kept ignoring it, ignoring it. Then I got a MRSA infection. Uh, it popped up on my foot one day, and I was didn't know what it was. Ended up my foot got so big that I couldn't walk on it. I went to the hospital. They're like, yeah, you have MRSA. I was in the hospital for a week with that um, heavy antibiotics. Mm-hmm. I came out, and they're like, yeah, there's nothing you can do. You know, just it happens probably from, like, surfing and the water quality and stuff like that. I'm yep. like, okay. Went back into uh, into work. Went back into work, and um, six months later, I'm like, I start getting a little pain in my face, starts swelling up, and I'm like, man, I have, <laughs> dude, like I got yeah. what This is definitely like the same thing that happened with my foot, and right. like like a moron, I'm like, okay, I'll put rubbing alcohol on it, and that will like make it go away. Like I knew nothing. Yeah. And face started, my eyes started like swelling shut. I'm like, okay, God. Here we go. So I go to the the ER and they have me on um, a bed and I'm just waiting. They do a swab of my nose and they're like checking me out. Excuse me. And um, I'm sitting there and the nurse is just kind of like hanging out doing her charts. And all of a sudden, it felt like somebody stabbed me in the gut, like a knife in the belly. I've never had that, but I'm guessing this is what it feels like. And I just moaned in pain. And she's like, what? I'm like, I I am like, something just happened. I'm in so much pain. And they were scrambled. She got a doctor. They did a CAT scan. And what had happened, I had been having chronic diverticulitis, so inflammation of the intestines because i was not taking care of myself i was super stressed yeah i'm an empath so i internalize all my stress into my body yeah and the inflammation in my intestines got so bad that a hole had perforated in my large intestine and i was becoming like septic like i mean literally having bowels like go into your peritoneal cavity Mm -hmm. so I did, they're like, yeah, you, you got a, your large intestine like perforated. Like you need surgery tomorrow. And I remember just being like broken, just yeah. broken. Like wh- what uh, else can go wrong, you know? Yeah. So, you know, fortunately, my parents were up north at the time. Um, my aunt came to my rescue and spent time with me and made sure she just was like kind of nursed me but you know i had 
colon surgery, they took out a foot of my sigmoid colon that they opened up my abdomen. Um, on top of that, I still had the MRSA infection. So I was in the hospital on that time for like a week and a half. When I left, I was 35 pounds underweight. You know, I mean, from not from like that time I was diagnosed, but I had been losing weight. But by the time I was right. out, Right. A week or two out, I was about 35 pounds underweight. Damn. I kept <clears throat> I kept having infections. You know, like every week I would just be in so much pain and I like would do another CAT scan. I was getting a CAT scan like every other week, every third week. Heavy duty antibiotics, flagell, Augmentin, Bactrim, which now are standard because, <clears throat> you know, they're becoming, they're losing their potency in the public. Um, and nothing was getting better. Like nothing. I mean, I was incapacitated on the antibiotics. I wasn't working. I hadn't worked in like six weeks. Thank God I had good insurance. Um, and I was desperate. I really had the thought like, if I don't figure this out, I don't have like five or 10 years to live. Like, this is going the wrong way real fast. I do not know what to do. I was, it was a bad time. Yeah. Um, I got healthy enough to go back to work and at our office they had a woman that did massage like Tuesdays and Thursdays uh-huh. and uh, so I went in to go get a massage and this woman that saw me she's like you need to go get acupuncture so she gave me a card and I was like so desperate I was like okay I'll get acupuncture like nothing else is working the none of the doctors know what the hell is going on and I'm just getting more sick so I went to this woman, uh, I won't mention her name because I don't have the permission, but mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> wonderful woman, and I had my first acupuncture treatment. I'm telling you, man, after that first treatment, it was the best I felt in like five months. I walked out of there just thinking, oh my God, like I feel like normal, like, I feel good, you know, yeah. and it blew my mind. So I, uh, started going back every week i was like i'm going back i just kept sometimes i would go twice a week i would Mm -hmm. just keep going back because i felt better and she you know over the course of like four months i put all my weight back on and she healed me i mean she straight up healed me with acupuncture and uh what do you do when you get well again you forget about what just happened and you go (laughs) back to like okay i'm good let's go especially in your especially your 20s you're like I feel amazing. Let's go fuck it up. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> totally, man. Like, let's do it. I'm going to go. Everything's fixed. Uh, so oh, I man. went in one day for a treatment and it was like in the middle of the day on the work day and I go in for a treatment and, you know, I knew the drill at the time and she has me on the table and she's about to put the needle in my leg and she's like going in and my Blackberry rings I'm like, hold on, hold on, I gotta take this call. I like take the call because it was like a mortgage broker. Yeah. And I like talk for ten minutes. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, you know, we can we can do the treatment now. And she's just like, man, like you need to quit your job. It's killing you. And pretty bold of her to say. Yeah, it's ballsy. Yeah, like who are you to tell me? Right. But I didn't take it that way. I was just like, you are right. You are so right. Um, two weeks later I quit and I thought, well, 
I'll just go back into construction. I'll get into general contracting. Right. It's an easier life. Do that for a few months. And then I was still getting acupuncture. And I just was like, something was, my spirit was stirring. And um, it just clicked. It's like, oh, I need to learn how to take care of myself. I like working with my hands. I love to learn. Yeah. I, I, I want to help people. It's like a part of just who I am. Yeah. I'm like, I want to go study acupuncture. And then once I did that, you know, like when you, when your heart makes a decision, yeah, not the mind, the heart, yeah, boom, everything just lined up. Oh, yeah. I, I was dating a woman at the time who lived up north, which was right near the school that we went to where I wanted to go, and she wanted to move back. So I had a place to stay. You know, I applied, you know, our school, Five Branches, like one of the best herbal programs in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention it was in Santa Cruz and I wanted to be in Santa Cruz. Yeah, I was like, not, oh my God. What's like not some to love about surf. Santa Cruz? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh man, we're doing it. So that's when uh, I went to Chinese medicine school. So seed was planted when I was young and I forgot about it. Um, it wasn't until I went through like my second significant health crisis that I was finally like, getting the message you know like this is what you're doing is now working you need to make some changes and you know not everyone needs to like be intense and go to school and study a medicine to get well Uh, which is a part of what I'm trying to do now is just like make this knowledge accessible uh, which is tough right because we're studying Chinese medicine correct and we're practicing in the US yep and it's you have to change everything about how you think about life and think about health to really understand the sweet elegance and simplicity of this medicine mm-hmm. um so had that been more accessible that knowledge without having to go to school maybe i would have gone that route but at the time i couldn't find it and i was like i need to study yeah and um you know that's where i get to meet you yep and uh <clears throat> It's funny because when I first met you, it was in the uh, student lounge. I remember. At Five Branches. I remember. <laughs> and you like looked at me and you're like, hi, I'm Gray. Throw out your hand. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? Paul. Yeah. And we just started talking. And I think I think you asked, if I remember correctly, um, you just started talking about martial arts. Yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know why either. <laughs> you were like, and you were really excited about it. <laughs> You're like, yeah, so do you do any martial arts? And I was like, no, man. Like, I am not the guy that does martial arts. Like, I never yeah. thought about it. Yeah. I never went to a karate class. Like, yeah. I don't even know what martial arts is. Like, yep. I'm picturing these kids in, like, white suits and, like, black belts. Oh, and for like, sure. No. Yeah. And like, oh, okay. Like, and shared more. I think the next time you saw me, you gave me two books by uh, Bruce Francis. Yep on bagua and internal mechanics yeah and i remember taking it home that night and going what is this yeah (laughs) yeah totally what i i like is this like magic is this like how do they how are they doing these moves like what are they even talking about with like jing and shen and like circulating the chi like just yeah but it you know went well with our education for sure. And it's, I know, I, like, will always give you thanks for, like, bringing me to martial arts because while going to school, 
and you know going to school that was hard not to include not to mention our apprenticeship on top of school yeah. which <laughs> i know i'm looking back on i'm like that was total fucking insanity to do insanity to do both of those things at the same time to give context to people that are listening paul and i were in this graduate program which is very exhausting and draining because you're i mean how many hours is it? 3,200 hours over the course of four years? I mean, yeah, 3,200 hours. 3,200 hours over the course of four years typically turns into five for most people, like myself. I was out in five. Um, and you're, the program in and of itself is just exhausting because you're having to memorize herbs. There's you know these all these different branches of Chinese medicine, acupuncture points. I mean, it's just you've got to learn anatomy, physiology. It's a, It's a lot of information. And then Paul and I decided to do this apprenticeship with our martial art organization under our teachers at the time and to study, you know, Twina, which is the Chinese it's, uh, Jinsho Twina, which is golden hand uh, Twina, Chinese massage. We did that, but it required us to be there. I mean, 16 extra hours a week, right? Not including the martial training, but right? Yeah. Just, that was just, just clinical, clinical. It was like 16 hours a week. Plus we had to drive to Los Gatos at 7 a.m. for training. Right. Do clinic so all from, day. So from Santa Cruz to Los Gatos, you got to drive through the mountains. So that's like at best a 50 minute drive. Yeah, it's like, Both, yeah, know. right. It's like 35 to 50 with 50 usually with traffic. And then we would do the clinic and then train martial arts class from like seven to whatever that were, four, five thirty to eight or yeah, two and a half like hours. Two and a half to three hours. Yeah, and we'd yeah. get home at, we'd get home at, you know, nine or nine or 10. Cause we'd, we'd eat something afterwards. And I mean, God, it was what a crazy fucking schedule. Crazy man. We did that for and just, oh, so brutal <laughs> yeah like just over two years we did that mm-hmm. thank god for the treehouse man <sighs> that sanctuary that place was amazing that home was so good and then that's when we started um i'm like no oh, it's tangents but no, that's when great. we started touching uh doing you started getting into feng shui yeah you're like yeah i'm like looking into feng shui and kai and i were like cool because it was just such an exploratory time right like i mean you're just like dabbling in it and it made sense too because of your your art background yep and and if there was ever a home to practice feng shui yeah it would be the treehouse um dude that house again just uh, this is cool and and i it's okay that we're tangenting on this topic because i feel like the way you know these questions how did you get into chinese medicine you know how we met us meeting at school i would just say that collectively these threads you know how we found each other as you know as like his best friends and then the the thread of chinese medicine how chinese medicine changes people's lives and how it integrates and enmeshes and makes your life current more elegant it makes it more dynamic and, mm-hmm. and you get all of these amazing things that come into your life that benefit you and we got to you know, like fledglings out of a nest, we got to explore it while we were babies in the medicine. Mm-hmm. We were that was such a, you know, formative time to be studying something like this at the same time. All of us relatively in the same age group too, give or take. You know, Kai's a little bit older, but not much. And this house that Paul is talking about, you, you mind if I just give him a little back back background? <laughs> no way, man. On the tree. I wish house. we could just like yeah. hit a button and watch a video. We should have recorded a video of walking through that house. Well, I did. I did for the party. Do you remember that? The one I sent to B. 
I record. Oh. It's like a three and a half minute. Right Do you now. have that? I have it. Oh yeah, I'll send oh, it to God, you. We gotta watch that. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Um. So this house, you guys, everyone that's listening, this house was called the Tree House, and it, there was a in Aptos, which is about fifteen minutes south of Santa Cruz, and I, I originally lived there with Josh Schneider and Gretchen Valencia. And shout out to you guys, Cloudgate Healing Arts in Colorado. They're awesome. You guys should go see them if you're in Colorado. Yeah, go see them. They are Broomfield, amazing. Man. They are they amazing. They are fantastic. They really are. And so I was living with them. They were not a couple yet. They ended up falling in love in that house and becoming a unit while I was living there. And then I was awkwardly just, you know, we, we were all just friends living together. And then one night, one night I come home and it, it's like candle lit. The lights are dim and they're just staring at each other over like the table, drinking wine and eating lamb. And I'm like, what the fuck happened over the weekend while I was gone? <laughs> like, did, did I miss something? And then they were just, you know, totally in love. And then after a while, I, it was just kind of that thing where I was like, you guys, I feel kind of strange now because you guys are just, you know, glued. And it was really awesome and I was happy for them. But they were like, yeah, we're kind of thinking about moving out. And and so they did. And then I had this really awesome window where I had the house to myself for two weeks. And during that time, I lived in that house for two weeks and I talked to the property manager and I was like, well, obviously we need to fill people. And he's like, well, do you want us to put an ad out? And I was like, actually, if you're cool with it, would you mind if I just asked some people and brought them to you? Because I would kind of like, being the control freak that I am, I was like, I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to control the process and actually pick. And they were like, that's fine. Just, you know, it's, it's your dollar. So I had two weeks to stay at that house. And this house was, um, come to find out later, you know, the house, when I saw it immediately before I moved in with Josh and Gretchen, the house mm-hmm. gripped me. I saw it on the ad on Craigslist and I was like, Oh, that looks interesting. When I got there, the house was empty and I walked up to it and I remember there's all these windows on the house, and I remember having my face glued to the glued to the window like a troll smashing its face, and was just like, <laughs> "I want in there, like let me in there, like, I gotta live here." I started like, and Josh was like, "Dude, you like this house?" I'm like, "Bro, I was destined to live here," and I was just so I've never had a house or a property grab me energetically so mm-hmm. much, mm-hmm. It, something about it, and then, you know, that process, I was in love with the house, had that two weeks, and then I ended up reaching out to you. And I think you had visited the house once. Yeah, you had one like, time. One time, when Josh. And I think we, I drove. I drove you home or something. Correct. After it was like after a party yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got Paul to come in, and then our good buddy Kai Kai Van Bodie, who was just on uh, just a couple episodes ago, mm. had him come to the house, and the three of us we had this house, and it was you know this house was on a hillside. And it had a mm-hmm. huge deck that overlooked the Aptos Hills and the trees. There were just a bunch of various different types of trees, but oak trees that surrounded like a like a bowl. They wrapped the entire from the Google right. images. It was like it looked like um, yeah, it looked like two arms wrapping around the house, like just like hugging the hugging house, the yeah. house. Just trees were like hugging the house. And you would look out the windows in these big, like you know, almost entire wall windows, and you would be in the canopies of the trees because yes. you were on the hill. Yeah. So you'd have birds flying all around you all the time while you're yeah. looking out into this view. And we had that deck. Which was amazing. That deck that was like 40 feet by 30 feet, which was amazing for training. We just yes. get up and go out there and do lines every morning. Or walk tincture or whatever. Correct. It was, uh, it was a beautiful, it was beautiful. I mean, it was just an epic spot. And because of, remember the terrain, the, the fog and the mist would roll through the trees. And it was like living in a modern Taoist monastery, but totally. with like guys in their 20s and 30s you know it was right. just 
I guys, mean, not like, I mean, we're weird. Like, we're weird. I mean, definitely weird. Remember that whole winter season? We would say like, okay, let's have Silent Night, and we yes. would, like Tuesdays, we would turn off, we would unplug the refrigerator. Yeah. So we wanted no noise. No noise. No electricity. Yep. We have candles, and we would just be in silence from like sundown until the next morning. Correct. And you know, like, I had my intention to come to this is. One of the things, many, one of the many things of Chinese medicine is that it's, it's holistic. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not a sum of its parts. It's everything coming together. Mm -hmm. And what I learned, one, our friendship was a healing for me. It just was. Me too. You bring me to that house. That house taught me how healing a home can be. Yeah. Remember you said it happened to me first month I was out there. I slept like 10, 12 hours a night. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Oh, yeah. I can't, like, I couldn't sleep enough. And I really thought, like, dude, something is wrong. Like, what's wrong now? Yeah. Something. Right. Here we go. Here we go and again. You were like, right. You're like, bro, like, no, this is what happens. Anybody that comes out here, moves out here, it happened to me. You just, it, it'll last like 30, 40 days, and then you'll be good. Yeah. And it was true, like 30, 40 days. And it happened for all our roommates that moved in yes. afterwards. Yeah. When Kai would go to China. Yep. People would be like, come out, like, I can't, I don't know what it is. I just keep sleeping. Right. And it was, I think, you know, my nervous system was just unwinding. It was so serene and peaceful out there. Yep. I could actually, like, rest. Yeah. And see the rejuvenating power of just rest. Yeah. It's so powerful. Remarkable, man. That, that home, r- remarkable. Yeah. yeah. No, I, you, I, you're, I mean, you're just, you know, feeding fuel to the fire. I mean, it's, that's exactly right. That house, and I think that's, you know, that piece, that house, that was a crazy thing. Like, I look at my life now, that house, our friendship, you know, Kai living there, us having that, um, the Sanyang, which means three yang, that's what we called our little unit. You know, it was like that little trinity we had. There was so much medicine that came out of living there. And I remember that house moved me so much internally. It made me think about different things. And I just felt so amazing on that property, given the geography, where it was placed, the hillside. I picked up a feng shui book, which I had read about years and years past. And I remember reading the book and I started, there's different schools of feng shui. And, but in this one book, I started going through and looking at the birth year of the home. So I called the property manager. I asked him that's like, right. The birth year of the home, the direction it was facing, and then mm. key attributes of a home that that makes it like a feng shui, uh, you know, case study more or less. Like the things that make a really good feng shui home or property. So I remember going through this book and to a T, the year the year the house was born, the direction it faced, the numbers of the address. It's, it's location on the hillside. The dragon's uh, back. The dragon's back. That huge steep driveway that had a curve. There yeah. were this book. I. It, it was like someone. <laughs> it was like the author had been living at the treehouse and was like, "So this is the house." Like they just were transcribing <laughs> the treehouse into this fucking book. And I remember thinking, "This is why I feel so amazing here." And that was the mm. thing that got me thinking. I think there might be something to feng shui. I mean, that house mm. is what did it, and. Mm. And that that was right around the time when you guys were really moving in. That's when I was getting deep into it. And I asked you guys, I said, are you okay? Would you be down to explore implementing feng shui principles in this house given we're studying Chinese medicine? 
and like what do you guys think and you guys were so on board you guys oh yeah like without they, a doubt they were like that's a great experiment let's see what happens and we started implementing feng shui stuff we would read the book we would tweak tweak some things put certain colors in the in the, in certain directions and then we would invariably see sizable shift in how we were feeling how we were operating in school the parties the, the like the social energy that just flocked to that house after we started doing that stuff that blew my mind we were just right. we were and we all became very real proponents of understanding that the <laughs> the external environment and how it shapes your psychology and what it does for your spirit is real and that house has made it made it palpable you know that was the thing that made it um yeah, that made it come into form so completely. Oh, and as we're, as I'm talking about the treehouse, we... I'll just hang out. There, there we, we go. go. You're okay. back. I was like, no, yeah. not when, not during the treehouse part. Don't, yeah. Skype, don't. Well, yeah, like, out. I don't know what you're saying, but just, yeah. you know, it, this is one of those moments where, like, the Western mind comes yes. to, like, the holistic mind. And it's like, oh, my God, these guys talking about, like, putting up pretty colors and putting up objects and yada, 100%. yada, yada. Yep. Fine. I mean, if you doubt it, good. Go to China and see how much people believe it there. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Second, there is something to say about living with intentionality yeah. and developing and understanding your psychology related to color, to shape, to image, to direction, and the environment you create for yourself and how your mind moves through that environment. That's yeah. actually one thing you came you brought up one night where we had an insight. You're like, it's how the mind moves through the space. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, so that's like, you can get into, I think, to the science of it. Um, and also weird stuff would happen. Like your painting of the jazz trio. Oh my God. I in the, about that. in the corner, in the corner of the room of like the main living room. So give that, by con the give that context, Pookie. Like, just, yeah, tell, okay. tell that story that, yeah, we had that painting in that corner and then the whole manifestation piece. Yeah, you you take that part because that was yeah, that's a hell so of a story. The the main the one of the the attributes of the home that I love and I hope to have in a home in the future is that every level of the house you could walk out to the ground floor. So if you were in the kitchen, you could walk into the backyard. And the kitchen had one step down to the living room, which is this giant room with giant windows. The bedrooms, you know, you'd take a few steps out and a few steps up, and there where the bedrooms were, and you can walk out from there. The living room was the centerpiece, right? Yep. We had the corner, <clears throat> which I can't remember the direction off the top of my head. Well, it was north. Um, it was north. That was it north? It was the water corner. Yeah. Okay, water. Yeah. Um, what were the attributes of water at the time? It was well. So that corner was um, its life's journey, career, um, business success. But it's basically like the it's the it's the current of your life, basically. It's the it's it's how life moves. But that was that's like the attributes of the North. And originally, before that picture, I had three um, a painting that my dad did because it was sentimental, which was the th three dead fish on a rock. Yeah, which was very beautiful, right. very beautiful, Super beautiful. But, but and it's it representative of like water in the North. And we we're like, yeah, 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 it works. Yeah, but you changed it, and you have like it's one of my favorite paintings that you have. It's the jazz quartet. It's a guy yeah. on the organ, a guy on the drum set. And then a guy playing a guitar, correct? Standing bass, I think. Yeah, standing actually, bass. it's right over there. Let me see. Yeah, standing bass. Yep. <laughs> standing bass. Um, so we put it on the wall, and we're like, "Oh, that's that's great. It's beautiful. Let's see." And then I, I I'm pretty sure you set your amethyst uh, tower underneath it as well. Yep. So we did that. 
maybe a month later or over the course of a month, we decided yeah. to have our, I think our first party at the house. Yeah. It was like the first one. Fir- it was the first one with like three of us living there. That was our first big one. Yeah. Right. Yep. And we were like, okay, like let's do it. Let's have a party. It's let's make it happen. And we were planning it out. We're like, let's have some live music, you know, that, that like, that just makes it so much better, you know? Yeah. And we we're all talking about who we would have come out. And we chose the band. It was seven come 11, seven come 11. Yep. Yeah. Shout and, out, shout out to Gianni. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I heard the music, I think on the internet or I never actually saw them, but you're like, yeah, dude, these, these guys are great. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. They're awesome. So we have them come out the day we're setting up the party they come and you know we're at the top of this hill it's a very steep driveway very steep driveway yep and they have this van and they're towing a trailer i'm like what and they like half they're like trying to get to the top of the driveway but it's so steep and the van's having a hard time and they're just adamant about getting it up they're like why are these guys getting it up what's the big deal like it's parked down there well they had a giant like electric organ in the trailer in the back yep so they eventually got it up we're helping them move it in and we set them up and wouldn't you know it <laughs> right below the painting of the jazz trio we have the life replica of the drummer the bass and the organ yeah and those guys rocked it that night and i'm like that's weird man that's, that's weird. like that was that's weird, weird. we didn't try weird. for that but that just happened so well, Call it what you will. Well, I, I mean, we, that blew my mind. <laughs> it blew mine too because we sat there and I think it it actually didn't dawn on us until the party was actually going because we, we dressed when we dressed in all white. All three, the, right. the three hosts, Kai, myself, and Paul, we all dressed in these white. It was great, like these white pimped out suits, basically. And we were, you know, just so we would, could be identified as the host more or less, and it was fun. Um, and about I don't know, it was about an hour and a half into the night. I stopped you or you stopped me and we looked over and they were they were playing in the corner under the picture. So it was what we had put into that northern corner had quite literally manifested in 3D reality. Literally. It was yeah. it was three guys, three part band playing those instruments and we sat there and I said, "Paul, like look at the picture. We did that thing and it manifested and we we just started laughing and and because that's one of the tenets of feng shui." You put things in your environment that will augment your reality, more or less. Mm-hmm. Ways to prime your psychology. But what an amazing time, man, to explore that stuff and to, to be in that house together during that time. And like you said, it was healing. Think mm-hmm. about how much stuff we processed in our lives as a mm-hmm. result of, one, knowing each other, um, implementing feng shui, learning Chinese medicine, all at the same time and these things, it was just this unraveling of, of mm-hmm. all this amazing juicy stuff. And life became a lot more interesting. I mean, it was that was a really fun, what a, what a fun time, man, to, to go through yeah. that. It was so I mean, it's, fun. It's, and it's fun to go down like memory lane, but I mean, I really, it's an important point. It really is. <laughs> because, you know, I get patients and in DC, the the culture of DC and the East Coast I've learned is, is very different than the West Coast. Yeah, um, and I've come to really appreciate it. Um, when I first got out here, I was just like, "Wow, 
people have very strong opinions here. Everyone just needs to relax. Yeah. Everyone needs to chill out. Um, after some time, I realized, oh, wait, everyone has opinions out here because you need to have an opinion. And California, West Coast, it's like learning to uh, get along and make peace and be like, enjoying each other's company but sometimes it, when you go into that place of opinion everyone kind of backs down yeah so it, my point is it's a very different culture but i get patients that work way too hard mm-hmm. all their life is around work they when they're not working they're like doing something else they're like yeah going to bars they're not even, or they're just going out with social events they don't have to be bars um it's just kind of like non-stop and the stress level they're under it's not reasonable right and yeah. you got to talk about like the difference between mental stress and physiological stress so mm-hmm. physiological stress if you have a cold if you have a runny nose and a cough your body's under physiological stress that's stress yep compared to the psychological stress that we can carry it's unreal humans can carry so much stress but when they come to me and they're not sleeping, they're anxious, their digestion's way off, they're in pain, and I'm telling them, you you just need you need to rest. <laughs> I for years, I'm learning how to say that in a way that people can understand it. Right. But for years, people are like, okay, right, like rest is gonna help me. Like yeah. they just would blow it off and. Yeah, you know, I would just be like, no, you don't, you don't know. Well, rest is really important, but to rest, you need a healthy environment. You need to go home and feel like your home is a sanctuary. Yeah, you need to go home and feel like rejuvenated by being at home. Like you walk in the door and go, oh, like so good to be home. Right. Not, I got to go home and work, or I got to go home and clean up this mess, or you know. So to have uh, your life in order, and these key points home being one of them so you can every night go home and rest that is something do what you do every day that really really plays a huge role in your wellness it just does it does man and just to kind of you know further reinforce your point you know the the irony in that people when they say like yeah right rest like what's that going to do for me it's because they're not doing anything you know they're like well how could that do shit for me if I'm not doing right. anything, if I'm just sitting still, nothing is getting done. Right. So therefore, how could it be good for me? And I mean, th- and this is at the crux of one of the many things, the psychosis in the West, where it's just, we've got to be constantly running in circles, you know, in our mind and in our activities and just on the hamster wheel. And if we're not doing that, we feel like that we're not worthy or we're not... I don't even know. I mean, it's sto- just not enough. It's yeah, not. A, it's. it's not I think enough, it's right? like a matter of like. It's just not enough. I need to be. If I want to be healthy, I need to do something to be healthy. I need to. I need to be taking a supplement. I need to be doing a workout. I need to be doing a cleanse. I need. I need. I need. I need. I need to do, and it's like. Stop. First, just stop and de-escalate. Mm-hmm. Relax. Slow down, and gather yourself. That is, you got to build a foundation in stillness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the simplicity of the medicine, yin-yang theory, mm-hmm. the the tenets of opposition, intertransformation, interdependence, 
and mutual consumption. Looking at your life through the eyes, through the facet of mutual consumption, if you're doing all the time, time out, doing, one, doing, time out one second, just because it's like the people listening, just to give them that basic context. So the things that Paul just listed off are basically, when we learn this in school, the yin-yang theory, those five things, those are the, basically the five attributes of yin and yang. These oppositional mm-hmm. forces that we have in life, you know, hard and soft, male, female, birth and death. Out of all of those polarities, there's five permutations that Paul just mentioned. Would you say them again? Uh, interdependence, mm-hmm. intertransformation, opposition, mutual consumption. A five of those four. Four, uh, there is one. Am one. I missing the fifth one? There is a fifth one. There are five. Hmm. Does, doesn't really matter, but there is a fifth one, yeah. Oh, it matters. Yeah, um, it's in there. <laughs> but yeah. Well, so with mutual consumption, if you're doing all the time, that opportunity to rest is diminished. So it's it's so simple. So it's like if I, if I need rest to match my ability to do, then I, I just have to stop doing. I, I In order to get back to rest, I just have to not do something. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. But it... To get that across to a Westerner that's ambitious, that's taught to keep going, keep, keep buying, mm-hmm. keep consuming, it's really difficult to get that point across. For the patients that practice that, they're doing really well. They see the value in that. Yeah. They see that like just that simple step is like the foundation to making big changes. Mm-hmm. So this is a good segue, man, because I wanted to ask you this, and I think it's a good, it's a good question to ask, and I, and I would love to hear your take on this. When people get into Chinese medicine, they come from different backgrounds, and we all, the beauty, and the, I think is the adaptability of Chinese medicine, people can come into it and develop their own relationship with Chinese medicine. And there, and there are things within mm. the Chinese medicine spectrum, right, different branches of Chinese medicine that we all gravitate towards. So I have mine that I gravitate towards, you have yours, you know, every practitioner, and and we share some, obviously. But in your experience, as you've gone through Chinese medicine, and now that you're working in Washington, D.C. and working with people consistently, and you're Mm -hmm. seeing all these stress patterns come up, what, I would say, what's your baseline approach to guiding people to wellness? That's one. And then Mm. what... Yeah, like what's your strategy? What do you tell them? And then what do you feel like out of, you know, the branches of Chinese medicine, what are the ones that you're leaning on the most? Which which have had the mm. most weight for you? And how do you relay it to your patients, I guess? Yeah, so many patients coming in come into my office the same way I came into my acupuncturist initially. Uh-huh. They're, they've heard about acupuncture. They're desperate for change. Um, and a lot are in pain. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, the first step is I need to prove myself. I need to give them a treatment that's going to help them feel better. So right. they have a buy-in. Um, cause I'm not, I don't talking about the medicine is important, but when it comes down to it, it's still on the fringe. It's getting better in our country. Yeah. Uh, but you have to be, I have to be good. I have to like, I, I mean, that's just what it is. Like yeah, I'm right, man. charging, I'm charging a good price and people are counting on me and I have one, maybe three chances to like help them. Right. And so the, the first thing is like, I need to uh, get 
them to buy in and understand that this medicine can work. So it's to have an impact right away. That's like my number one thing. It's like I need to have impact. Um, and it starts with pain. When I do that, that opens up the conversation to what else can I be doing? Like what else should I do to like take care of myself? And what I've noticed is it's back to that doing. People want a lot. They're like, tell me what to do. Yeah. Like, what herbs should I be taking? What food should I be eating? Like, what exercise should I do? And I used to give them all the answers. And my approach now is to move very slow. And I want them to learn the fundamentals. So the first thing I tell people to do is start developing a healthy relationship with water. It's so simple. Like, I need you to start drinking water regularly. Mm -hmm. I want you to be hydrated properly for like 100 days. So you can see what impact that has on your body once you understand that we can start really playing with some things Mm. then we'll work on food we'll work on exercise and everything has to be tailored to the person you know if i get a 60 year old person that's been beating their bodies up and just wreaking havoc on it i'm not going to tell them to do a lot of hard impact uh exercise i'm going to go straight to tai chi it's like you just need to open up the joints open up the tissues have a meditative movement and do something every day right. and start relaxing and decompressing your nervous system mm-hmm. versus uh, somebody that's young that really doesn't even know how to move when you do an assessment. I need, a, I need to strengthen their body. I need to do like exercises, some of the Kung Fu exercises we do, like Fu Hu Gong. Yeah. So it's, it's, not, it's not the program that I like to do is helping people develop a sensitivity to their body. And to do that takes time. Mm-hmm. With the help of acupuncture and guidance, you can do it faster. But first rule, you got to slow down and start resting and doing less. Second rule, you got to develop a healthy relationship to what you're putting into your body. Food, water, not to mention content, digital content, sure. the people you hang out with. Yep. Third rule, meditation. That's, you know, we have all these tenets. We have acupuncture. We have twina. We mm-hmm. have dietetics. We have qigong, tai chi. We have feng shui. We have meditation. We have um, cosmology. Yep. Um, so meditation is the fo- is the foundation to everything and what is honestly out of everything I've done is what helps me the most because my stress from my medical traumas and everything I've gone through and that still play out like you know because of what I had with the chemo and radiation my heart my lungs everything was impacted and I have to constantly monitor that yeah so I have my health is always there it's always kind of a stress I'm also a, a father. I'm a husband. I'm a business owner, you know, acupuncture practice. Right. I have my stress. You have your stress. You know, people in D.C. that are pursuing these careers have their own stress. And it doesn't matter what the content of the stress is, but it's just stress. Yeah. The first thing to do to really understand what that stress is is understand your relationship to it. The best way to do that is to sit breathe and learn to just be comfortable in your quietude which is meditation 
-hmm. It gives you a place to look at yourself and look at your place in life. It gives you a perspective to understand what mechanisms and what parts of yourself are stressing out to the factors externally or your own experience. So taking them, helping them, guiding them to do these things one at a time, it seems very slow at first. I come up against that with patients. They're just impa yeah. they're impatient. They're like, no, it's, you know, I want to be on these herbs. I want to do all this. Like, I want to yeah. know. Do, do, and I'm do, like, do, yeah, do, do, yeah, I'm do, like, and more you know, do. <laughs> I'm thinking like, okay, this is going to take like one to two years, you know, mm -hmm. like really to get you to where you're in a, like a really solid harmony. And for the patients that have worked with me, with me for two to four years, man, they're doing great. Like they're just, it's so good to see because, you know, as a practitioner, you're always wondering like, am I, am I helping? Like, yeah. Am I, am I doing this right? Like, right. I just treated somebody for back pain, but they never came back. And then you see them six months later, they're like, oh, yeah, you totally fixed it in that one treatment. You're like, great. Six months, I, I thought I just totally, like, messed you up. <laughs> and I didn't, like, have any impact. But so you're always wondering as a practitioner, like, am I helping people? Am, is my medicine good? Is it working? Right. And the patients that have come to me four times a month, two times a month, and have taken my guidance little by little, they are all doing really well. And it's yeah. like, okay. So what my, I've learned is just I need to I slow people down yeah. and I, I teach them one thing at a time. And it's the fundamentals, man. It's just, I mean, it's what every practitioner are, is probably doing in a different way. But the way I find this more effective is to like slow down and really get into understanding of what they are. Like, what is meditation? Yeah, you can start on an app. You can do like 10 minutes a week, but really, you need to do like a minute a day. You need to just be with it. You need to do the practice. Right. I, I can talk to you about Tai Chi and all the cool stuff about Tai Chi and like the energy that you're cultivating, but really, you just need to do it. You just need to do it consistently for a long time to see the power of it. Right. Um, and it's tough because our culture wants to be fixed like right now. And we're taught that we can be fixed right now. Very impatient. And very impatient. Yeah. And that's a part of the medicine. It's like learn patience. Mm -hmm. Like patience is a, is a helpful tool. Well, and that's um, what's built into that. Just to interject a little bit there with what's nice about that. And I think what's fundamentally great about the slowing down message is that slowing down will fundamentally puts you into a place where even if you're not naturally patient, it aligns you with the patient's frequency more or less. Because mm. I think when you slow down, you do, you're more attentive. You have to listen. You have to not be rushing. And I think when we do things slower collectively, there's longevity in that. Lillian Bridges, my you know, face reading teacher, yeah. who you know, she talks about this all the time. She says, you know, if you she's like, if you want to talk about longevity, She's like, yeah. the most watery places, the water element places like Costa Rica, Hawaii, New Zealand, where the island life. Where, island time. Island time, right? Where breakfast takes 90 minutes. And people, oh, I'll be there at 10. They show up at 10.50, you know, or 11. Mm -hmm. And they're, and if you're pissed, they're like, why are you, why are you upset with me? Time doesn't really exist. There's that, there's that thing, right? I mean, I think if we've all been to an island or gone on to island time. When I went to Thailand the first time and breakfast took an hour and a half, I was losing my shit. I'm like, where are my fucking eggs? You know, just mm -hmm. like I ordered what's <laughs> taking so long, but I realized 
the culture was just, oh, we order and you leisurely just, you know, sort of just saunter through your day. And mm-hmm. Lillian's always talking about, she's like, that pace. She's like, while you might not make the biggest, like, mark an impact, she's like, you will live a long and healthy life going slower, which is why there's so much burnout in the West. There's right. so many s- diseases of stress. And um, so anyway, I just wanted to add that piece in that the slowing down piece that you're mentioning has tremendous merit. Just slow down. Well, yeah, and it's it's what has helped me and what continues to help me is, is, is having a supreme sensitivity to my body. So, you know, before... Yep. Oh, froze just for a second. You still there, Paul? Oh, you'll come back in a second. So this is the way it goes, y'all. Skype recording, unfortunately. We get the um, the little bumps in connection and the uh, slowdowns. Uh, you're back. Okay, You good. got me? Okay. Yeah. So before Chinese medicine school, I was taking antibiotics regimens like seven to eight times a year. Mm-hmm. Since starting school in two th- February 2008, I've had to take antibiotics one time, and the only reason I had to, I'm pissed that I had to, um, was because I didn't get my herbs in time, and I was like, I had a bad, bad uh, chest cold. Mm. And I was like, I, I, I can't let this go any further. This is not safe. Um, but how do I do that? It's because I'm super sensitive to my body. Mm-hmm. I know how to recognize the symptoms when my face gets flushed in a certain way. I know how to detect a change in my digestion and what that means for my lungs. I, I've cultivated that sensitivity to when I notice the smallest thing, I have an intervention before it gets out of hand. Right. So as a practitioner, I want to teach people how to have that sensitivity because that's the most helpful tool you can give anybody for them to understand their body. Yeah. Yes, you can like get them feeling great with like, Treatments with herbs, and that is important because our, it's another way to have impact on people's health. But if I'm never going to see a person again, if I have like three months with them, and they may not have access to all these herbs and everything that I give them, I want them to walk away with something. I want them to remember like, oh, yeah, Paul helped me realize that I need to be vegetarian in the springtime. And in the summertime, and only eat meat in the fall because when I eat meat in the springtime, I always get this horrible acne. I get a chest cold by June, and all these things fall in disarray. But if I make this one change, I feel that much better. Right. That's what I want to help people find. Yeah, I want people to find what their medicine is, and to do that, you get to the fundamentals, and you guide them slowly to help them understand what all these different aspects of living, including eating and interacting and working, the impact that it's having on their longevity. Yeah. And there's, in my mind, that's, if you don't do that, then you're just putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. It just, you are. Yep. So, and then, you know, the feedback I've gotten from patients, I'm like, nope, that works well. That works well. It and does. my patients are just kicking ass, you know? Yeah. It's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's a good feeling, you know, when you're like, because it takes time too. I have to be patient. (laughs) Like as a practitioner, for like us practitioners, it's it's difficult to allow a person to know what a person really needs. You know, 
they come in, they're like, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be sick. Like, I'm tired of living this yeah. way. And if you just fix them every time, they come in and you're just fixing them every time without giving the chance for them to reflect on how they got there in the first place. Mm-hmm. If you don't give that pause to have that conversation, you're just like, okay, I'll fix you, I'll fix you, I'll fix you. Well, I don't know if I'm really helping them. Like, I'm just yeah. allowing them to continue doing what they're doing that put them in that state in the first place. Sure. That brought them into the room for me to fix them. Like, I hear it so many times. It's like, yeah. I need Paul to fix me. And it's like, I, I like that because it's like, you know, pat on the ego's back. It's sure. like, cool, I can, like, I can fix you. Like, right. You, your back's thrown out. I only need one treatment. I'll fix you. Like, yeah. Like, I like that power. Yeah. Um, but I also want people to take some ownership, you know, of their health. And I want them to, because it, it's empowering and it ripples through your whole life. I mean, if it wasn't for this medicine and all these little things, the feng shui, learning about home, learning yeah. about the impact of friendships on my life and what medicine that is, yeah. learning how to be still and stop having so much and not have many desires that stresses out my heart and just learn to like, be simple and want simple things and find joy in simple things. If it wasn't for this medicine helping me find that and find out who I am and what I need, then I, I don't know if I, I wouldn't have the level of health that I have now. Yeah. I wouldn't be treating like 30 patients a week, like sleeping three to four hours a night with the kid right. and <laughs> still maintaining my health. Like from right. where I've come from, I've like, I'm strong. I'm doing really well because of this medicine and what it's taught me. And so I want to teach that to people yeah. slowly and yeah. steadily. Yeah. There's some cool threads in there that, that I would like to add to. You know, when you said you're trying to guide people, right, to, to live a, a slower-paced life, to, to get them into the, the fundamentals of what it means to take care of yourself. You know, what I've seen in recent years in working with people and being really out of school and just working, learning how to hone Chinese medicine within my spectrum, you know, of me and how do Ooh. I, how do I deliver it? How do I share it? How do I get the ideas across? The thing that I'm brought back to and the thing that I've seen is that people oftentimes think of health and wellness as a burden. That oh. This is something I have to do. It's this monkey I want to get off my back. Like, why can't I just be all right without having to put any effort in? So there's a burden. Right. And there seems to be this obligatory authoritarian shame energy around it too, where it's almost like the health and wellness character or industry is like, you need to get your shit together and you need to be healthy. And people almost see the health process as like a, an overbearing parent pointing a finger. Where they're it's like, another job. Yeah, it's another job and it's another thing like, fuck you, don't tell me what to do. Don't, don't push me. And I think when we approach our health and wellness like that, the thing I've seen with my with clients and with people that I'm working with, it, it's not sustainable in the slightest. And I think it's a trauma in the culture collectively because, and the thing I'm trying to get people to do to sort of piggyback what you're saying, the thing I'm always trying to reorient people to in terms of thinking about their health is, first of all, this is a game. <laughs> like, this is a game. <clears throat> Life, it's a game finding what works for your body mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, it's a game. So be willing to play some hands and to lose some hands because you're going to lose some. Mm. You're going to play, you're going to eat some foods that do not agree with you. Just take note so that you're better equipped to win the next round. 
So mm-hmm. I think when you get into this thing of you're going to have to try and fail and succeed sometimes as part of the learning process, think of it like a game. Be willing to explore some similar threads that I've heard other people say. Be curious. You know, approach health and wellness from a place of curiosity. Um, have a little bit of mischief, I, I think, is really good to be like, what can I get into? Like, what the fuck can I do to like mm-hmm. augment and uplift and polish what I've got? And I think that's the place, if people can get to that place as opposed to seeing it as a burden and an authoritarian figure telling them that they're bad and that they should have shame about not being as healthy as they could be, quote unquote. I think yeah. that's a big shift to get people for the buy-in, to, to think like, why, why, is, why should I be looking at this stuff? You know, why should I be considering um, being a little healthier and being a little bit more like that? And I think what happens is, and I know this to be true, a lot of people think that if you become healthy, that your life's not fun. They're like, if you eat healthy foods, they're boring, right? Healthy foods are boring. Um, if you're gonna, you know, if you want to have, you know, if you want to feel good, you've got to do exercise, which people hate. There's this kind of like, ugh, like they, they, people get very right. negative about the process, and it's like, God, first of all, life is awesome when you feel great. I think right. we can all agree, and. Feeling great can be a fun process if you're willing to explore it. But I also think you need the right type of uh, guidance. You know, I think that's why right. you need practitioners who are willing to approach it with a light heart, who are reasonable, and people right. who can. You do have to find a practitioner that carries something that you'd like to have. I think there's always you a have to re- you have to resonate. It's it's yeah. I say it to my patients all the time. It's teamwork. They're like, oh, like thank you so much, and I'm like, you know, this is us. And I really, it's 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 two people working together, yep. and without them showing up, without them doing their part, nothing I do is effective. Yeah. So we need to like understand that we are doing this together, and you know, just to like, I totally agree with what you're saying. And one point that I see too is that somehow pursuing a slower pace. Mm-hmm. meditating, taking time, it's seen as a weakness. Yeah, it is in this culture. It, it is in this culture. Like somehow you're losing your edge if you just, if you decide to like meditate and to be quiet and not be quick to act. Mm-hmm. But you know, I just, I think of like, if you were in a martial setting and you had, you're surrounded by three people, the last thing you want to do or be is like having your mind everywhere. You want your mind quiet and you yes. want your you want to be present to every little sound and every little movement yeah. so you can protect yourself. And that, to be, to quiet yourself and to pursue these arts of slowing down and cultivation and, and cultivating wellness, it's nothing but cultivating strength, strength and power. It yeah. really is. Um, yeah, well said, man. Um, well, and, and to, to, to like, again, just to add to that, you know, you know Malik, my buddy oh, Malik. Yeah, Malik's Malik. great. Yeah, yeah. Great. I'm gonna have him on the podcast. And um, you know, Mo was a bouncer in Oakland for 12 years, like the worst parts of Oakland. And you know, I've I've known a few bouncers in my life. One being, um, you know, Vince Black, um, Mo, hmm. um, Kawasi, which that ended sour, unfortunately, because I liked Kawasi, man. But maybe that maybe that chapter will repair down the road. But um, Mo always said this to me when he was talking about bouncing. You just mentioned that martial art piece. And he said, you know, the best bouncers 
right? These people that are technically aggressive, they're the ones that will like wreck shop and throw people out of a bar and get into like physical confrontations. He said the best bouncers are the ones that have the, 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 the coolest edge, that are mm. the most calm, that move less in their physical presence, mm. that, have, that are very deliberate in their word and action. He said mm. that slowness was the thing that stabilized the environments. You know, and, mm. and he'll probably talk about this when he gets when he comes onto the podcast. But that struck me with a lot of different things. Vince used to say the same thing. He was like, you know, ninety five percent of bouncing is mindset, eye contact, and body language. Right. You would say like a fight is won just by eye contact. Eye contact. Like that's that's a big one. Mo Mo would say the same thing. Kawasi would say the same thing when they were talking to him. It was the, it was, you had way more control of the situation mm. if you were calm, cool, collected, and centered. And I feel like that's just a metaphor, just like how martial arts mimics life and, you know, training one thing to, to uh, have it emulate and reflect in another. It's the same thing here, man. Be, be slow down, be calm, be centered, mm -hmm. be rooted. Mm -hmm. uh, Chinese medicine talks about this. Ayurveda talks about that. And if you can slow down root and let, let some of the noise, right, at least in your self-contained universe, let that noise be turned down. There's tremendous strength in it. But I, again, that, that's an uphill battle, I feel like, for American culture to get. And it seems like, like most things in Taoism, you sort of, and other spiritual traditions, you have to live it and be it for it to make a mark. You can't really just talk about it and say, this is how you're supposed to do it and point the finger. Total, that, that, that is so counterproductive. Mm -hmm. Because our, yeah, like you were saying earlier, our culture, we already carry so much shame. We're already ready to beat ourselves up and tell ourselves we're not good enough. Yeah. It's just, I see it so much. I was, I was a victim of that for a long time. Yeah. So it, to tell somebody you're not doing it right or you need to do it better or you need to do more, it just doesn't help. Mm -mm. It just doesn't. Answering their question, what do I need to do, and giving them one simple answer to work on for a while. And if they do it, and they do it with an open heart, They'll be ready for the next one thing. Mm -hmm. And that's that I think if I can communicate that to people is just take your time. Yeah. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry to like fix yourself because yeah. you're already perfect as you are. Instead of trying to fix yourself, just learn about what your body is doing. Learn about this life. Mm -hmm. Study meditation. Ask big questions. Look, what's your philosophy? What's your philosophy of life? Yeah. Are you are you a Stoic? Are you an Epicurean? Do you believe like that everything you think was based on the structure of your environment? Like, what's your philosophy? What's what value does your health bring to you? You need to. It's important to sit with these questions and give them time to understand them because that's a foundation to really pursuing wellness. It's more than just like taking a class and and chanting om and <laughs> yeah like playing the singing bowls that's a wonderful part yeah and then when you can do that with community I mean we did that at the treehouse yes we did it's deeper than that though yeah there's 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 mystery there to uncover and I just I encourage people to go after it yeah yeah as you should. As your picture falls Whoa. off the wall. Drop the mic. Wow. So for those of you, unfortunately, who are not watching on YouTube, as Paul said that very 
deliberately and slowly, his words knocked the fucking picture off the wall. So well done, Paul. Well, well done in uh, moving oh, reality. <laughs> so, well, that's awesome. Um, but, you know, man, the thing I was, I, I want to say this to you because when Kai was on just recently, he said something, and, and it's very true. Um, he said this before, and, and I, I agree, but he said, you know, we have to acknowledge the good things we see in people, and it's just, it's good to tell people to give feedback. And as you're talking and as you're going through all of your stuff, the way you deliver, for everyone listening to the way Paul, so every person embodies um, out of the five elements, fire, earth, metal, water, and wood, Paul carries a shitload of water energy. The way mm. you were talking about your cadence, your rhythm, man, how you deliver, you have so much water element medicine that comes out of you the way you teach. And mm. even the, the message of being slow, right? The, the, the water, just, you know, the, mm. just like moving yeah. slowly, letting the water kind of find its way through these crevices. And so I just want to say, man, you're a good, you're a good reflection of water element energy which is so critical i think for people in general because we're water organisms we're mm. 80 percent water and mm. just the way I, I just want to acknowledge that that you're good at that man like you, that's one of and you're also pointing to people like you said the depth right ask yourself these deeper questions you know the epicurean right the stoic ask yourself your philosophy about how you're navigating life and how you're moving and as you're sending that message that's a huge theme to the water element, right? Depth, mm -hmm. quite literally, mm -hmm. like the depths of the ocean, um, being in awe, right? Wonderment, those things are all a part of the water spectrum. And I just feel like the people, your energy and the way you talk about things and the way you're delivering Chinese medicine is so important right now because so many people need water. They need mm. and even your basic message, man. Drink water. <laughs> you just got water. Stop it. It's like, you, wow. Yeah. Wearing blue. I'm against a blue wall. You're against a blue wall. <laughs> Knocking shit off the wall. Yeah. It's just deep and heavy, you know? So that's good, man. I just, I appreciate that about you. And when we've, you know, our friendship over the last 10 years, I've seen that in you. You've mm. always, um, you have a depth and a slowness that, that permeates you know, your, your message. And I think that's the thing that I'm seeing even with, you know, people will have patience for long periods of time, but for you to have consistent patience for four years, that, that requires depth. There has to be some depth. Those can't be superficial right. roots for that kind of relationship to be on point and for people to take one simple thing and to apply it and let the seed plant and let it grow. So you're doing a good job. And um, I love your story. Like I've always said, man, you know, the hero's journey in terms of the things that we go through. You know, we've talked about this and it's different, right? I've got different hardships. My dad died at 19, but it shaped me tremendously. And mm -hmm. being confronted with death, even though it wasn't technically my own, you being confronted with death, it could have been your own. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, you know, I think it's such a good story, man. And that's why I think people, because it gives you a lot of, and I mean this truly, it gives you tremendous, uh, in, the, in the scheme of life, it gives you tremendous street credit to have mm. to have been confronted with death so early and i think and it's for a lot of people you know you're not the only one who people who are confronted with death early and when they are i think that there's a there's a huge upswing in terms of your evolution and the knowledge and the wisdom that you're going to carry just because you had to deal with very heavy shit early on and that's right. that's the blessing you know it's like the curse is just the the fear the trauma you know the things that you're you're left with but i mean god man the blessing is that you get to be a, a beacon 
you get to you get to you get to be a light you know which is pretty cool and it does yeah and i've learned a lot so it's it's been amazing just watching you over the years and to see man how you know man when i hear that like people the, the survival rates of people who have gotten chemo and man like you have kicked ass like you know you've gotten mm-hmm. that and and i think it's because you've learned so much and you've really dedicated your life to this like you've done so incredibly well you've just i mean you've made very real food choices very real herb choices very real lifestyle things and you're not perfect and you're figuring it out i know and you have to juggle life and stress like the rest of us right but, but you've really put your feet to the fire because you've had to and it's paid off which is awesome mm-hmm. you know thank you thank you very much man yeah. um and it's you know yes it's like the pursuit it's the will to go after these things mm-hmm. and it's it's it, these wellness practices and it's it's finding people like you you know like our friendship you know the same way i can go deep and be slow and talk about these deep things that can be it can get it can go too far you sure. know and your medicine to be light mm-hmm. your medicine of fire i think that's why we go well together yep <laughs> to bring in like levity to bring in joy to have some fun mm-hmm. to bring in that mischievousness yep to bring in that passion mm-hmm. it stirs the water it yeah. creates that vapor and it in it and it adds a degree of uh Je ne sais quoi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well and it's, 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 it's you, it's, it's, it's people like, you know, Adriana yeah. Gonzalez, yeah. who just joy, that woman was just joyful and she taught me how to like lighten up. And she's, so, and, and she's so fucking weird. Adriana, if you're listening to this, uh, you're so fucking weird and I love she's it. She's wonderful. So weird. She's great. What a weirdo. Her. And the best right. kind of weirdo, Adriana. Oh right. my God. <laughs> right. But just thinking about like all, you know, part of why, you know, why if you want to be successful, surround yourself with successful people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm surrounded by a community of amazing people, like amazing healers. Yeah. And they all have their own medicine. And yeah. medicine can be like having an open heart and hugging a perfect stranger. That could be a good medicine, yeah, you man. know. Yep. Your medicine with food, dude, I mean, pretty much all the food stuff I do is from you. I hate to say it. <laughs> And I love hearing it. <laughs> I, I like, I like, I'll make something in the kitchen. Yeah, it's like, damn, this is good. I'm like, yeah, that's Gray's recipe. <laughs> Son of a I bitch. nailed it. I did it perfect. He would be proud, but it's Gray's recipe. Oh, <laughs> um, man. You know, like that has become a medicine for me. Yeah. Um, so it's not it, one piece that happens um, in our culture is we're, we're such an culture of individuals our individuality is really important to us yep which is fine you know like it creates you know amazing talented people but one thing that's kept me healthy and keeps me healthy is my community and my culture like the people around me that are willing to like share in my story to be with me in hard times when i cry when i'm like overwhelmed um the people I surround myself with and how they pick me up, it's one reason why it's one of the biggest reasons why I'm here. If I yeah. didn't have that and I was trying to do it by myself all the time and thinking I could and I was strong enough and pushing and like having that willpower, I would just be that much weaker. So it's we all need to look to work together and help the people around us sincerely, to whatever capacity. If it's a smile, if it's 
ta- taking them to a meal, if it's like providing them a treatment, uh, helping one another is it's one of the greatest medicines. It really is. I, so. man, I I couldn't agree more, man. You know, being of service, these these basic threads, you know, and they're not original ideas. They, they've been right. they've been around since right. the dawn of time, and I think, and I think that's kind of the interesting piece about them is that the profundity is in that it's so simple, so you know, simple. Be of service, help. Um, yeah. You know, contribute, share right. your light. Right. If you've got gifts, fucking use them. Good God, yeah. like that's. You know, that just, we need that we, big time that needs man. to happen. You know, don't sit on them. Don't be ashamed of no, them. Like use don't them. hide them, use them yep. and let them take you where you need to go. I agree, man. And you know, Lillian Bridges has been, um, I just, I love that woman. And she's been such a, a, a breath of fresh air in terms of, um, a heart centered teacher who just gives so completely and openly with no strings attached, no dogma, no bullshit, just here it is, you know, and she hopes that Mm. you get better than she does. That's, you know, you can tell that's where her heart is. Mm. But one of the things she said, man, is that she said to me, and it's always sunk in. She's like, look, you know, overusing your energy, your gifts, you know, if you're, if you're an athlete, you know, you can blow your body out, you know, overusing your gifts um, will definitely tax your life force. She's like, but under, under using your gifts is worse. Mm. She's like, and, and she's like, and both will make you sick. You know, she's worked mm. with people who she, by Chinese medicine standards, she's like, they didn't use their talents and they got sick. They got cancers. They got tumors later in life because they weren't using the things that they were given. And right. so I think it's a constant reminder just to be, you know, if, you, if you're good at something and you have gifts, like don't self-deprecate. I mean, sure you can, you know, you can be humble and all these things, but use them, you know, like don't, mm-hmm. don't sit on them. And I think that's a good message, man. And you're you know, I think where you and I share a similar passion with this medicine is that we're trying to, with the best, as best we can, we're trying to do that. We're trying to help people to get them to use their gifts. Absolutely. It's funny. I had a face reading by her. She knew I had cancer. Didn't tell her she knew that. No, she She knew just like, like, wow, you just totally called that out. How did you do that? She's amazing. Um, She's amazing. She's amazing. She, her advice to me, like the biggest piece of advice (laughs) So simple. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. When did when did we have that face reading? You had, she, we did the seminar with her. It was like you back had in yours. You had yours before. Uh, I had mine in twenty eleven or twelve, and I think you had yours before me. I did. I yeah. did. So like twenty ten. Yeah. She was like, "Make boredom your friend." Wow. And I was like, "What? The <laughs> what? 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 Like, what? Really? What does that mean? Like, oh, what does that mean? So you know." How I do things, I like sit on it. I've been chewing on that for nine years. And I'm like, that was the best piece of advice I could ever get. Mm-hmm. Because going through cancer, especially at a young developmental age, you see it as like, I'm going to live or I'm going to die. Okay? Right. right. Uh, this is my experience. I I'm I'm, would assume there's many others in that position as well. But this is yep. my experience. Yep. And so I built in that psychology to like, I'm going to live, like nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to go for it. I was willful. Right. And it permeated everything. And, and even in terms of like success or failure, it was either success or failure. It wasn't, there was no in between. And when I sit with like yin yang theory, 
the the ideas of like interdependence, intertransformation. The there's a seed of yin within yang, a seed of yang within yin. There's a seed of uh, of opposite within its origination. I've learned to live in the like gray area. It doesn't need to be absolutes. Yeah. And what she was telling me was, make boredom your friend is just stop living so hard. Stop expending all your energy. It's okay. Just enjoy this moment. Enjoy yourself. Slow down. Back to slowing down. It's always been like the medicines or the the feedback I get from these like big time practitioners. Slow down. Yeah. So I got to do just slow down. Isn't it re- so, isn't it reaffirming though when you get it multiple times from different areas? When you get it, there's a yeah. There's a synchronicity yeah. in that that's that's yeah. real and it 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 locks things in. You know, she just to tell a cool Lillian story. You know, I wouldn't. I was always into her material just because it was interesting and I'm visual and I you know I like faces mm. and I I've drawn faces and it's you know I had a, an interest in it, but I wouldn't have studied with her if she hadn't called what she called you know she said to me well okay so she called that you had cancer she was able to see that through looking at your face when i walked in the first thing she said she she said it very like light and offhand she was like oh an only child who's very artistic like she knew that like and i I was like what like i was like did okay whatever that's weird but and she just she wasn't like being spiritual or weird she was was like oh like like, you're just oh you're you look like an only child who's very artistic and i was like that's weird so that was pretty interesting. And then she said a ton of things. And I know that all these things sunk in, but the one that the thing that stood out, and I remember thinking about that, and I kept mulling it over. She looked at my face, and I was 30 at the time. I'm 37 now. Mm. And she said, she was looking at my face, and she was going up and down and looking at everything. And she was looking somewhere in my eyes, and she said, she's like, so at 33, you're going to have a pretty real fork in the road in your life. And the metaphor she used was, she said, more or less, she's like, at 33, you're going to have the opportunity to self-cultivate, live on a mountain, and be with yourself, and go down a road of self-cultivation and self-interest. Or, get married and have a baby. Wow. And she goes, and she says, for your face, she says, trust me. Getting married and having a baby, a baby is a far better move. And I said, okay, you know, and that's about where, okay, I was like, I was like, okay. But when the session was over, I kept thinking about that, and I was like, well, yeah, that's weird. Didn't touch the idea for for years. Never thought about it. And then at 33, I was living on a mountain in Santa Cruz on a cannabis farm with <laughs> with a mutual friend of ours who was saying, hey man, like let's just study kung fu and like. You know, yeah. if you end up breaking up with your girlfriend, we could just be on the mountain and just train Kung Fu and grow pot and make a lot of money. And I was like, holy shit. And then, I mean, that it was like that month, you know, my my now wife wrote me the letter and was like, I want to get married to you. I've always wanted to get married to you. I want to make a baby with you. And I want to do this now. Like I've waited for five years while you've been in grad school. I mean, and it, I was 33 and there was the fork. The metaphor she used was accurate. Wow. Like it, it was an actual literal metaphor and she just called she called called it what was gonna happen she just called it you know being lillian like fluttery and fiery and just you know sweet and warm but she called it and i remember when i 
got into her program and I went and met with her one-on-one -on -one and stayed with her that weekend in uh, Seattle and was talking to her, I told her that story again. I said, Lillian, the only reason I'm here is because <laughs> you were on point way, way too much. And I thought that, cool. that was what kind of got me. And she's self-proclaimed. She's like, I'm not, you know, reading poems and psychic, you know. No, she's, it's not that. It's, it's not, not that. She just happens to be, you know, I think, but I think she is probably a little bit if she's going to be, you know, that on point. But in any case, or, man, you know, like, you know, at what point does something become intuition? You know, how many years of cooking before right. you actually not even thinking anymore? I mean, she's a, from a lineage of oh, yeah. face readers. Yeah, she's so, a I mean, she's, she's a master. Doing her whole she's, life. Yeah, she's, she's a, master, a master. Fully. So... <laughs> Full blown. Oh man, all those cool stories. So yeah. many cool things. Yeah, so Anyways. many good things, man. Well, Paul, dude, we should probably wrap this up and Yep, should do it. Um any parting words? I mean we've we've covered a lot and had some good stories and definitely some memory lane and but some really good threads in terms of living and how to, you know, navigate um these crazy times we live in. But yeah, is there anything you wanna finish um, off with? Well, I will ask that if I can be back on the show, of down course, the road. absolutely, man. Cool. I would like to uh, get into more nitty gritty stuff with Chinese medicine. We kind of touched on things, but there's just so much there to chat about. That'd be fun. Absolutely. Um, parting words. Um, if you're going to do anything for yourself, learn how to meditate. That's wise words. Just do that. If you just did that, you would do tremendous things for yourself. That's all you got to do. Just mm -hmm. learn to meditate. It's that simple. It's a good one, man. It's a very good one. Um, and I ask this of all of my guests uh, in terms of social media, websites, anything you'd like to you know, put out so people can follow you or track you or whatever. Is there anything mm. that you'd like to share in terms of that? Yeah, thank you. Um, Instagram, I'm at uh, Flourish Always. Flourish and then A-L-L-W-A-Y-S. Uh, websites, liveloveflourish.com. Live, live, love, flourish. Flourish. All one dot word. Com. All, like, all one no word. spaces, okay. No spaces. Um, that's it. Yeah. Cool. I'm, what am I? I need to say, um, <laughs> I just moved. It's totally me. Uh, moved to Don't self-promote, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like eh, yeah, yeah. Just do a good job. Pete, my the word will get out. Um, but no, since uh, February or like almost the, to the week, uh, my son was born. I moved to a new location to be treating, and I'm at Eaton, DC, uh, Eaton Hotel. It's a amazing hotel in dc it's it is amazing um it's beautiful i mean you've been there yeah, yeah I, I didn't say anything and i just had you walk in and you were like oh my god yeah the feng shui there is just yes incredible um but more than that they're they're really working to have to create an environment where thinkers innovators come together and have these conversations of what we can do to really promote social justice what changes need to have to have real impact on our culture to make change that's going to be inclusive, that's going to be um, legitimate. Like It's going to get away from the current media and all the lack of virtue and all the lack of merit and really get to the nitty-gritty of like how are we going to like solve these problems together. And 
the people there that work there are amazing. Um, I'm learning so much from these people yeah. and I'm just happy to be a part of that place and bring in that wellness piece and bring, bringing in that narrative and sharing and sculpting that narrative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're in DC, just go there and check it out. Like mm-hmm. just hang out in the space cause it's beautiful. But, uh, I'm teaching Tai Chi there now. Yep. We're going to be doing a Tai Chi workshop, uh, third week of July, which I'm really excited about. I can't wait. And that's, I'm like, I'm very much looking forward to that event. That is going to be yeah. excellent. It's going to, it's going to be good. Um, yeah. So, Full stop. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, you know, mic drop, but you already made your painting fall. So, we'll jeez, to... <laughs> man, that stuff happens. I know. <laughs> like when I blew the transformer. You know, we all have our dude. <laughs> we all have our things. That okay? <laughs> let's finish on that story. <laughs> it was. It was after you know mm. you came to me like crying like a big baby because your girlfriend <laughs> broke up with you. Eat shit. Like, I need a friend. Like, all right, great. I'll be your oh friend. Oh my god. Um, and you're like. <laughs> let's go do some Bikram yoga. I had never done Bikram yoga. You know, yeah. I was still like doing, it was all new to me. And we went to, I don't know what studio in Santa Cruz. Yeah. It was a 6am class. Yep. You know, I got there like early and it was like maybe 5.55. And I'm sitting in the foyer of the yoga studio. It's like sun's coming up. I'm looking outside. There's a parking lot and maybe 300 feet away, there's a telephone pole with those big, like, analog transformers on top. And that's the view. I'm, like, kind of, like, just sitting there. And as I look up, I see you come into vision, and you're right in line with that pole. Yeah. And as you align with that pole, and our eyes lock, and you're like, hey, Paul, that transformer explodes. (laughs) Yeah, so huge. (laughs) right over your head, and this giant ball of yellow gas erupted from it, and all the power went out. In like the whole neighborhood, at that like at that exact moment, yes, it was a total coincidence, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But the timing of that, and what was like we were planning on doing that day, and just everything, I was like, I'm taking note of that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And thank God it happened because even oh. with the power out, I thought I was going to die in that class. Bikram yoga, man, that is not my jam. No joke, right? <laughs> I no. hate that. I hate Bikram Yoga. <laughs> oh, it's rough, dude. It's rough. It's too hot. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Well, well, good stuff, man. Um, I love you, man. And thank you for love being- Love you too, buddy. Yeah, thanks for being on the podcast and for just sharing openly and talking about your story, man, the vulnerability of going through the cancer and just, you know, it's a story I think people need to hear and to see where you've taken it, you know, making, truly making lemonade from lemons, man. You know, you've done a hell mm. of a job and you're helping people and, um, you know, that's all any of us can do. So keep up the good work. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Have yep. a good time at uh, CEO's birthday. Tell yeah. him happy birthday. Actually, sadly, man, I saw a text pop up. Homeboy just got sick, so there's no party tonight. Yeah, I'm like, I, uh, I, I saw it and was like, I tried not to cry during the episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. so so CEO, we love you. I hope you feel better, man. Um, yeah. But anyway, man, thank you, buddy. We will have you back on the show for sure. And then, um, yeah, man, take care of yourself. All right, bud. Love you. Okay, love you too, man. Peace. Bye.